Part three of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters seven to nine. Chapter seven. How Ewan looked into the water of a well, and of that which he saw therein. Then they rose up and went out, and the hermit showed Ewan a little path that went along under the cliff, and so into the wood beyond. And thereby, he said, was the way to a dead thorn-tree, that stood in a space alone. And under the thorn-tree was a well-spring, and from the well-spring came a runnel of bright water, whereby it might surely be found. Then he put a wheaten cake into Ewan's hand, and said to him, Farewell now for to-day, and at supper-time come again with your visions, and we will talk of them together. But when you stand by the well-spring and look therein, then, said he, be not weary of your looking, but return always, and be always in hope until the sun go down. For the visions are not quickly to be seen, as the common sort suppose that they see all things which are before their faces, whereas they see, as it were, but the shadows upon the ground, and not the life of those who cast them. But that which you seek to see is the dealing of spirits, and men come not thereto suddenly, but by long time and loneliness. Then he returned from him, and Ewan took the path and went into the wood, and in no long space he saw a great thorn-tree before him, and it was all dead and without leaf or berry, and other trees there were none very near it, but only the cliff that bore hard upon it on the one side, whereby it leaned a little outwards. And beneath the spread of it Ewan saw a well-head made of stone from the cliff, and it was of the height of a man's thigh. Also there was a step or margin of stone under it, and the step and the well-head were both shapen with six sides, every side equal to every other, after the manner of the waxen chambers of bees. And when Ewan came nearer, he saw that the spring rose in the well-head within four fingers of the brim, but it could not rise above the brim by reason of a little sluice below that was made in the stone above the step and a runnel came therefrom of bright water, and went into the wood darkling. Then he looked into the water of the spring, and it was deep and still, for the fountain was as great as the runnel, and no more, so that there came no moving of the water that was above. But the shadow of the cliff lay yet upon the wellhead, for the sun was not high, and by that reason the face of the water was like the face of a mirror and all that Ewan could see therein was his own image, and with that the image of the thorn-tree, and no more could he see, though he looked long and warily. So for a while he ceased from looking, and he went into the wood beyond the well, and walked softly therein, for he meant to come again, as the hermit had counselled him. And as he went he mused, and when he awoke out of his musing, he perceived that the sun was now high above him, right so he turned about and came quickly back to the thorn-tree and looked again into the water and where dimness had been there was sunlight and the water was clear and thin and in the depth of it were many lights both shining and shimmering for some of them rested in their glowing like embers and some rose and curdled like smoke of gold and so passed and came again continually but of visions ewan could find none only these lights could he see, and else nothing. 
then again he left looking in the water and sat down under a green tree for it was past noon and hotter than before and he took his wheaten cake that the hermit had given him and ate it sitting there and as he ate he thought on these days that were hardly yet three days since he left his former life and they seemed to him to be as it were three long years that lay between him and the time that was before then suddenly he perceived that with his thinking the heat of the day had gone over and the sun was dipped into the trees of the wood behind him where he sat and he looked again towards the well-head that stood there before him and a light was upon the stone of it that was the last of the sunlight and afterwards that light passed away and the stone was left dark then he knew that his time was come and he leapt up and strode to the well and leaned over it and at the first he looked and saw nothing for a darkness seemed to rise and roll within it like a cloud in a storm but after no long watching the darkness rolled away and he saw clearly now that which he saw was a marvel for it was not water though it lay within the well-head nor was it sunlight for the sun was now far down behind the wood but it was by seeming a piece of that country as it were between the night and the day for there was a wood and a river with a high bank and in the sky above there was neither sun nor moon but one only star of bright silver and as he looked the star faded by reason that the sky was more light and he saw that the river was wide and shallow and over the width of it were stepping-stones one beyond another in a line like floats upon a fish-net and out of the wood came a boy and though his face was turned away yet could ewan tell without doubt that he was in all things like the boy that had been with him and his heart beat and he strained in his watching as one that fears lest he be seen or heard but the boy came to the stepping-stones and passed lightly over them and began to go upon the bank and as he went there came a bright light upon the topmost of the bank and ewan perceived that it was the light of sunrise and it fell upon a banner that was there with men about it in armour and twice or thrice there came sudden glints upon the armour and for all that they seemed far off and small it was clear to be seen that they fought together in two companies and the boy when he had climbed the bank came to one of the companies and entered into it and ewan saw him no more but that company stayed not where they were for they were hard pushed in the fighting and gave ground by inch and by inch and one man of them that had no helmet upon him came to the edge of the bank with a horn in his right hand and he set the horn to his mouth to blow it and in that instant the darkness came again and ewan saw nothing but only the water in the well and the cloud that rolled within the water and he started up and fear and joy took him in the same blood heat and he turned and ran quickly by the path under the cliff chapter eight how the hermit set ewan on his way and of two secrets that he told him now it was the hour when the hermit would be going to supper and thereupon came ewan to the house and while they sat eating and drinking ewan told the hermit of that which he had seen but he spoke warily for he told him nothing of the boy 
and the hermit said the vision is yours and not mine yet this much concerning it is in my head and not in yours i tell you therefore the woodside that was shown to you and the stepping-stones and the bank beyond the water all these are of no solitary vision but may be seen of any man that has a mind thereto then said ewan quickly that mind have i and the hermit looked him in the face and nodded to him after his own fashion then he told him of the way to that place which he had seen and as he spoke ewan saw the way plainly as it were before him and the winding and the turns of it and the stars above the trees and the settling place of the moon and the hermit said how it was a nine hours journey for a man like himself that was now out of his youth and past hurrying and when he heard that ewan kept silence for a moment and in the silence he made his reckoning that it wanted even now but eight hours to sunrise and thereupon he stood up suddenly upon his feet and stretched out his hand to bid the hermit farewell but the hermits left him there standing and went to and fro and took bread from the table and put it in a wallet and brought it to ewan and he took also a hunting-knife from the wall behind the door and a thong thereto and gave it to him to belt about his middle but ewan laid it first upon the table and drew the knife from out the sheath and cut off a silver button of his cloak and the knife he returned into the sheath and left it lying and the button he gave to the hermit in token of bargain and sale lest in the time to come by the gift of a knife their friendship should be parted as hath happened unto many and many and then he belted on the knife without fear and they too went swiftly from the house and came to the wood and entered into it now the moon was high and bright being near the full and the light of her came softly between the trees and made clear the path and ewan and the hermit spoke little in their going for all the need that they had of each other but their speech seemed to them as it were forbidden by reason of the shadows so they went dumbly for the most part walking the one before the other and making great haste and when a full hour was gone they came to an open heath that was beyond the wood and the hermit stayed there and set him down upon the heather and he said to ewan that he could go with him no farther for the moon was fast southing and he was an hour's journey from home but this he said courteously as one that spoke of necessity and against his own heart then ewan sat by him and suddenly in his heart also there came division with thought straining this way and that as two hounds that strain in the same leash for though he was hot to follow his desire yet he remembered the companionship of the hermit and the quiet of his dwelling moreover he saw the man there beside him and none to take his place but again the remembrance of the boy drew him more strongly and he chafed till he should be gone so he said to the hermit let me go now for even as they say of death the longer the colder so it is with the parting of friends but i know also that i go too soon for you have perceived of me more than ever i told you and of a certainty with your counsel i might have feathered my shafts and though this may not be yet tell me now i pray you in few words of the likelihood of this my journey how it shall prosper or in what danger it shall come that i may thank you and fare the better 
but the hermit said in this you are astray for that which a man may learn in solitude is not knowledge but wisdom and wisdom is not of this or that but of the nature of things so now concerning you i know not how you shall fare but i know of that which you may become and in some part i know the way thereto follow therefore your desire for so only can you live and be alive and this is the first secret but the second is this that you serve another for so only can you put away your enemy that was born with you and truth it is that if a man overtake his desire and have not done away with his enemy it had been better for him that he had died first for he shall never have peace and ewan heard the words and marked them for they were spoken deeply but what the meaning of them should be that he knew not yet for his mind was all a bubble with the thoughts of his journey and of the boy and of the fighting that he had seen in the vision and the hermit perceived that he was distraught and in haste to be gone and he stood up and bade him good speed but first he took a promise of him that he would come again and then he spoke the last words and turned away into the wood and with that ewan's heart fell and his strength was slackened and he laid his hand to the stem of a pine-tree and leaned upon it that he might keep watch upon the hermit until he should be wholly gone from him and at the first he saw him as a living man but afterwards as a shadow without form or substance for that which he saw was ever moving through the forest and the moonlight as a fish is seen dimly in green water going among the reeds and at the last he saw him not at all for the very shadow of him was wholly mingled with the night chapter nine of ewan's journey by night and how he was brought by a lady to the place of his vision and so left her so ewan turned him from his watching and as he turned him he drew his breath again and his heart rose and he took the path strongly among the heather and he went therein a good two hour or more until he saw upon his left side how the land rose up ridgewise like the back of a great hog and for all that it was night yet he saw the top of the ridge clearly as it were a black line that ran along the sky and thereover stood the moon all broad and yellow and he perceived that this was the place of her setting as the hermit had shown it to him by his counsel then he knew that it was hard on midnight and he had great gladness because that he had come so far on his way and no time lost and he left the heath and took a good road that was below the ridge and for a little space the moon hung above him as if it were a great lantern of yellow horn and then she sank behind the ridge and in no time afterwards the land was dark nevertheless he ceased not to go swiftly and without stumbling for the stars were now brighter before him and the road under his feet was smooth and white with dust so that he had no need to walk warily and as he went he remembered all the words of the hermit and he turned them over in his mind as a man turns over his money upon his hand for it may chance that he knows not yet how much it is or in what manner it may serve him even so 
Ewan considered the words of the hermit, and namely the two secrets, whereof one was plain to his understanding, and one was dark, for he was of himself fully minded to follow his desire, but to serve another was no such matter, seeing that in his old life he had served both lords and overlords, and for his wages had little but weariness. And in this wise he reasoned hotly as he went, speaking as it might have been to the hermit himself their presence. Then upon the instant his sight went from him, as it happens many times to those that reason hotly, and he saw no more the road beneath him, nor the stars above, but by seeming he came again into the house in the rock, and there was the hermit sitting over against him, and his eyes shining in the twilight. And Ewan said to the hermit, what is this secret that you have told me? And how can a man both follow his desire and also serve another? For by his desire he would be free, but service is to freedom as water upon fire. And the semblance of the hermit looked at him and nodded kindly. But he answered nothing to Ewan's questioning, save that he spoke again the former words. Then, because of the hermit's voice and the deepness of it and the quiet of his house, the tangle in Ewan's heart was untwisted, and he had no more lust of reasoning. And he came back, as it were, from another place, and perceived that he had been a long time absent, for the way was changed beneath his feet, and from being a high road was become a green ox-drove, and the stars in the sky were few and pale. Then Ewan saw that the night was far gone, and fear came suddenly upon him, lest in his dreaming he should have wandered aside from the right way. And he stood still to peer about him, but he could see nothing save only the ox-drove and a little bank that was the border of it, and the field beyond the border. But while he stood still, there came the sound of a cock-crowing, and in the same instant he was aware of a tower that lay hard by, and it lay on the field, all bare and open, where he had looked before, and had seen nothing, until the crowing of the cock. But now he could see it without peering, and how it stood on a little mound in the field, with a pool beside it, and a great rowan-tree thereby. Then he made to go to the tower, and when he came to the bank to pass out of the ox-drove, he found a gate therein, and he looked over the gate, and saw how there was a door opened in the tower, and a woman that came out of it, and she began to go towards him over the field. So he passed through the gate, and went out to meet her, and as he went, he perceived that she was some great one, for she was richly arrayed in colours all of blue, and her raiment was close about her, as the sheath is about a flower. Also she wore a veil, and not a hood, and the veil was upon her head only, and not upon her face, and it was light and cloudy like smoke in still air. And when they two drew together, the lady bade Ewan good morrow, and great wonder took hold upon him, for her voice came to him as it had been out of old memory. And whereas in her outward seeming there was nothing that was not strange to him, yet by her speaking he was persuaded heartily that he had known her all the years of his life. Then she asked him whither he went, and he began to tell her of the place of the stepping-stones, and of the fighting beyond the water. And she heard him courteously, 
but while he spoke she ceased not to go forward so that in a short time they came again to the bank and the ox-drove and ywain looked before him in the half-light and again he was amazed for the gate was there by which he had passed out and beside it were two horses a white and a black and by their bridle-reins they were tethered to this post and to that then the lady came to the white horse and she laid her hand upon the mane of him and her one foot she gave into ywain's hand and so went to saddle and rode fast away and ywain took the black horse and followed hard after her and they rode long and the sky lightened towards dawn and they went ever faster and faster till the wind rushed by their faces as a stream rushes by the stakes of a weir so they came to a wood and coasted it for the trees of it were set so thick together that no horse might go therein also the land fell sheer and sudden within it and in a five furlongs more the lady stayed her galloping and she leapt down and cast away her bridle-rein and turned her into the wood and ywain followed after her and she caught him by the hand and they too ran down the wood together with pain and stumbling and they came to the edge of the wood and the land there was level and ywain looked out between the trees and saw the place of his vision for there before him was a meadow and a broad water with stepping-stones and beyond the water was a bank and upon the top of the bank there went a banner with men fighting about it but child there was none to see neither upon the stones neither upon the bank then ywain raged within himself to go forward but first he turned him of his courtesy to give thanks to the lady for he said that without help of her he had never come there whereby he was wholly bounden to her if that she would command him in anything and she looked him in the eyes and said to him yea sir are you so bounden then have i found a friend to my need for i have a hundred knights that are sworn of my allegiance yet there is none of them that serveth not his own desire before mine then despair came upon ywain as upon a wild thing that is trapped and he struggled blindly and saw no way out and in his struggling he heard the sound of a horn that was blown behind him and he turned about and perceived him that blew it standing upon the height of the bank and at the blare of that horn all the blood of his body was made fire and he left the lady alone and went furiously up to go into the battle end of part three